0: And welcome to Awesome Etiquette.
1: Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty.
0: On today's show, we take your questions on taking your baby to the wedding, responding to graduation announcements with gifts, inviting people from out of town to a party when you can't offer a place to stay, and handling less than sanitary behavior by a guest at a picnic.
1: For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about how long you should stay at a party before leaving for another obligation.
0: Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on masks as the pandemic winds down.
1: All that's coming up.
0: Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute.
1: I'm Lizzie Post.
0: And I'm Dan Post-Senning.
1: Hey, cuz.
0: How's it going?
1: It's going, you know, you and I have had quite the week back from the vineyard. I feel like we've, like, got in and just hit the ground running.
0: Absolutely. What other option is there? <laughs> it, it is a little daunting, though, when you get home from vacation and the lawn hasn't been mowed for 12 days. And yeah. the <laughs> dishes that you did by hand because the dishwasher wouldn't run on their way out the door are sitting there reminding you that you've got to snake the dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no there's a re-entry no question no question
1: how's your re-entry going
0: it's kind of (laughs) awesome can I tell you what I've been doing
1: yeah yeah I I know what you've been doing I want you to tell the audience can I tell everyone so you've been so gleeful about this it cracks me up every time you bring it up
0: it's not an etiquette topic (laughs) so I've been um washing the cedar siding on our house and garage And this is a project that is long delayed. It was due to be done when we got the house four or five years ago now. Mm -hmm. And I'd gotten all the materials last summer and just looked at them and never did anything. And this year I was determined that the summer was not going to pass me by. I was going to get it done. And I started it and it's like vacuuming it's one of the most satisfying <laughs> chores I've ever done
1: y'all should just pre- preface this conversation Dan loves vacuuming it is like the chore he finds most satisfying but you also you you didn't say what type of washing you're pressure washing which is particularly satisfying
0: <laughs> I am and if you want to get into the the details down in the weeds with me technically i'm using a peroxide (laughs) wash and then at a very low pressure i'm taking it off so i'm not even really pressure washing it's more Mm -hmm. a peroxide wash followed by a rinse so that you don't damage the cedar and my technique is getting better I'm, i'm doing test panels up on the back of the garage but it's just looking so good (laughs) Anyway, so I I sit around and my free brain space goes to plotting out the time that I can put aside. Oh, if it takes me about an hour to mix up a batch and apply it and wash it, I could do this much with this amount of time. Saturday morning, (laughs) I could get that done. Anyway, that's where my brain's at as I This
1: is Dan off-duty, guys. This is what he does to relax.
0: (laughs) And you're right, Lizzie Post. That is my off-duty life. Thank you for indulging me. I think (laughs) that it is also worth mentioning some of our on-duty work because we have been editing the book, and it's also kind of awesome and satisfying.
1: (laughs) So satisfying. When we turned in the manuscript to Caitlin and the team at 10 Speed – I felt that giving away my baby feeling where it's like I've done so much to make this so good and I'm I'm not yet ready to go through the rounds of making it better. And once you get yourself in the mental space for it, the rounds of of editing, especially on a, a book like this where, you know, we are trying to hit a hit a really big mark, um, really, really updating Emily Post etiquette through and through from scratch. It's a big deal to us, and it feels so awesome to be in that space of looking really critically at what we've written, reading it out loud, and not being attached to it because we've nursed it along over the three months this winter that we were mm-hmm. writing. But instead, like you're looking at it with fresh eyes, you're reading it aloud to to see how it sounds. Are, are you comfortable dispelling advice that sounds like this? It's been so rewarding to be making these edits. It, it just it feels like like everything's just getting so fine-tuned in the right ways and I'm I'm so grateful that we have the chance to do that. Me too. And
0: I think to sort of build on that thought what's been really nice for me is looking at the text and knowing what we mean to say and asking yes. ourselves is that what this text is actually saying? Yes. Yes. And separating so those two things is it requires a little distance from from the writing process initially. Yep. And it's something that I'm more involved in now than I have been before. And definitely it's a task and it's a very satisfying task to try to bring those two things a little bit closer together and to watch it happen.
1: Well, I've got to say it's been really fun doing this part with you because this is one of your skills. Not that I'm no slouch at it myself, but having a a partner who you're working with on this, a co-author that you're working with on this, who happens to be very skilled at that for me has been really, really fun. Because it's like I know you know exactly what I mean when I put an edit in or a comment in that I know you're going to see later that says I don't think we've really said what we're trying to say here or wait a minute. There's something missing, you know. And it's already been through two rounds of people who aren't us and aren't like Emily Post Institute people reading it. And I, I love when we're catching these places. Like I love it when our other editors have caught these places. I love it when we catch them much like you in The Pressure Washer. I feel so satisfied when when we hone it and get it to the right spot. And either sometimes it's hard, you choose to ditch a point you were making, or you pull out language that you're very used to saying in interviews and in speeches and in, and in other stuff that we use. And you're like, no, it really isn't here. We're going to make this point here instead. And then we can bring that up later or we don't need it because it's over there or whatever. But it is for me, it's, it's like that pressure washing. I, I think about how, how and when and I get Really excited about the times you and I are going to be on the phone together, like going over stuff. I will say, though, because it exhausts me. We did a long editing session yesterday together and like and really got through the theory work of the book. And then. I was out. I didn't do my evening walk. I like barely did a dinner. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, I'm I'm done. I can't. I like <laughs> I'm spent for the day. It's satisfying work. I kind of I kind of like that it does kind of feel like the pressure washing of
0: the book. It's the best kind of work that's hard and at the same time you see the results. So, the satisfaction has layers to it there's both the 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 end product but also the knowing that you've invested to get there
1: yeah yeah oh you guys we can't wait to share this book with you it's going to be really really exciting but in the meantime do you think we should get to some questions
0: i think we should (laughs) let's do it
1: Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, leave a voicemail or text at 802 858 Kind. That's 802 858 5463. Or you can reach out to us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Emily post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media post so that we know you want your question on the show.
0: Our first question this week is about a baby and no bottle. Hello, Dan and Lizzie. I'm invited to a wedding of a very close family member later this summer. Our baby will be six months old at the time and does not take a bottle. I don't want to assume that he is invited, and in fact, I'm pretty sure that he is not. Only my husband and I were listed on the invite. Unfortunately, given the distance and time to travel, I can't be away from the baby for that long, so not bringing him would mean that we wouldn't be able to attend. My question is this. Do I just outright decline the invitation without any kind of explanation? Should I reach out first and or with the decline and explain why? I don't want to seem like I'm fishing for another invite, which I'm not. But I also don't want to come across as cold and just not being interested. I wish I could be there. Thanks for any advice, Anonymous.
1: Anonymous, this is a great question. Such um, a great question. And I actually think there are a number of different thing, like different avenues open to you for this. Dan, what's the very first one that kind of our, our anonymous has already sort of suggested in the body of the question already?
0: Well, the, the easiest piece of etiquette advice to give to put a foundation under this question is that it's okay to decline. And it's okay to decline for any reason, and it's okay to not explain your reasons for declining. In the same way, it's up to a potential wedding guest to understand if they're not invited and to assume that there's something going on that affected that decision that explains it. In the same way, if someone isn't able to attend a wedding, it's up to the person who invited not to be upset about that if there isn't an explanation forthcoming. So don't feel any pressure to provide that. Having said that, I'm (laughs) reading in this question that you're not feeling pressure about declining, but that you would really like to explain. And that's where this question, to me, gets really interesting. And the reason I think it's interesting is that there's a fine line to walk, that Mm. I think that it would be nice, good, generally, to offer the explanation and to offer it along with the sentiment that you would really love to be there and that you appreciate the invitation. Delivering that in a way that someone doesn't feel pressured to then make accommodations that they weren't planning on making or really can't make is the trick. That's where the art of good etiquette comes into play. And I think the way that you do that is by really checking in with yourself about your intentions when you have that conversation Mm. and about the specific language that you use when you have that conversation. And if your tone is good and the way that you're talking about it is genuine, then if the person who's hosting the wedding, the person you're talking to feels inspired to try to work it out with you, that's up to them. But you haven't put that pressure on them if you haven't actually done that. So to do that, I'm imagining a phone call. I think it's always easier to communicate the subtleties over the phone where they can hear the tone of your voice. Yeah. And I would remind myself that the the purpose of that phone call is to decline, that mm-hmm. that's the thing you want to be clear about, that because of this situation that you're not able to attend. And then you shift to the – and I really appreciate the invite. Thank you so much for thinking of me. So those are my thoughts about the the nature of the discussion. Lizzie Post, do you want to try a more specific sample script?
1: <laughs> I could give it a whirl. I think you're right. You You want to make the decline clear. And then you want to express that, that you do really wish you could be there. And these are the reasons why you're seeing that you can't. And I think that, that would probably sound something like, Hi, Kate. I'm, oh, I'm so excited about your wedding. I hope it's, you know, I hope all the plans are going so wonderfully. I'm calling because I, I wanted to decline in person, unfortunate, or, you know, decline more personally, unfortunately. With the baby being six months old, I'm really worried that not bringing the baby to the wedding or being away from him for that long is is just not the right thing for me at this time. But I've just got to tell you, I so wish – that I could be there. And this, I think, lets the, the letting someone know that you really do wish and having that sound genuine. I probably actually didn't sound that genuine when I just gave the script because I was searching for the words. But having that be really genuine so that they hear it's a true desire and not just a, oh, I wish I could be there, but really it's going to be so much easier for me to stay home or the baby really isn't ready. If you put the emphasis on those things, the person on the other end is going to really hear that. If, if you, and I don't want you to he- heavy, like ham fist it with the, I really wish I could come, or, you know, what you really don't say is, I really wish you had invited the baby. Definitely not words to use. But when you do have that genuine tone of, of desire to be there and the, the slight sadness of feeling like you're going to miss it. I think the other person then can open up if they want to and say, you know what? There are definitely ways we could make this work. Didn't mean to not invade the baby or, you know, didn't mean to give you the impression the baby wasn't invited. Or they can lean in and say, Oh, I completely understand. And I'm so, I'm, it makes me feel so, you know, warm and supported to know you really would like to be there. We certainly wish you could be too. You know, I, I feel like if you're prepared for either answer, or maybe an answer of help. Hey, would it help if we recommended a babysitter in the area? That was one of the other tacks I was going to bring up later on, Dan. Wasn't yeah, I'm it? curious here. Yeah, yeah. and if, if that covers our sample language for the most part, um, one of the other tacks that you can go to is to say to yourself, okay, my baby's not invited, but that doesn't mean I can't still go to this wedding by bringing a babysitter with me on the trip, if that's something that you're able to do. And I think that that's, that's one way to handle that. So that, you know, if you might be able to make it to like, depending on naps and feeding times and all of that, you know, babies are, are sometimes, you know, by the clock and sometimes very not. Um, but it might give you the chance to to have the baby, you know, closer by so that if a feeding time came up or something or, you know, crying really couldn't stop, the, the sitter could call you and you could leave the ceremony or the reception to be able to go tend to your baby. But I think that that could be another way to look at it. Dan, I'm going to venture one other suggestion just based on the way that this particular question was worded. The second sentence says, our baby will be six months old at the time and does not take a bottle. And I wondered if... Maybe there was concern that breastfeeding at events like this isn't appropriate. And we just wanted to clarify from our standpoint, breastfeeding is perfectly appropriate whenever it needs to be done. It might be that your child needs a quiet place in a reception. Maybe you can't accommodate that. But if that was any kind of a concern, we would love to alleviate it, at least from our perspective, that you should feel confident being able to breastfeed if you want to in those types of events or at those types of events.
0: It's a good thing to remember. And Lizzie Post, even though you're searching for the words, it's really helpful for me to hear those sample scripts. It it clarified for me that a big part of communicating that you are declining is that you accept the boundaries that the host has set up, that you don't question those boundaries, that your acceptance of them makes it much easier for a host to say, oh, I can move these boundaries around a little bit if they can. And it's really helpful. I appreciate hearing those sample (laughs) strips.
1: Anonymous, we certainly hope this gives you a couple different avenues to explore. And our hope is that you're able to find a way to attend the wedding or that the host encourages you to be able to come in ways that are really supportive and wonderful. Because it sounds like it'd be a great wedding for you to be at.
0: How do you go about being thoughtful? What do you do? Every time I try, I only make things worse. Is there some particular
1: method of being thoughtful that works every time?
0: Our next question is about a graduation gift.
1: Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I always enjoy listening to your show and now have a question for you. I received a graduation announcement for the son of a childhood friend. I have never met the graduate and I have not seen my childhood friend in over a decade. I am trying to figure out what the proper etiquette is surrounding a graduation gift. Does an announcement require that you send a gift? A note of congratulations? What would be best in the situation? Thanks so much, Leslie.
0: Leslie, thank you for the question. I like this question because it's very etiquette-y and has a very etiquette answer. We'll start by saying that the advice around graduation announcements is that they carry no obligation, not even mm-hmm. the obligation of a reply. So send them far and wide. Yeah. Feel free to <laughs> announce a graduation, a graduate, and to celebrate that moment in someone's life. It's a really big deal. Coming-of-age ceremonies, the transition from uh, young adult or adolescent to adulthood is a an important moment in someone's life. So celebrating it is important. As far as the reply, I think that oftentimes people send a card. I think it's a really nice way to reply to a graduation announcement. It tells someone Mm -hmm. that it's been received, it had an impact. It's an opportunity maybe to touch base with an old friend that you haven't um, talked to or maybe even thought of in a while. As far as the gift, I think that's really much more of a personal choice. The, The reply with a card is a personal choice, but the added expense of Purchasing a gift, thinking about someone, the effort of thinking about them, sending it starts to take it to another level. And if you feel inspired to do that, it's a really nice thing to do. But I absolutely wouldn't feel any obligation to do that, particularly with someone that you don't know particularly well.
1: Dan, I have I have that's like an A plus answer. I've got nothing to add to that. Nothing? Yeah, no, really, like like nothing. You got it all in. I could recap it, but I don't even think we need to do that.
0: Stumped the panel. Or a version of stumping the panel. (laughs)
1: Leslie, thank you so much for this traditional etiquette question.
0: Our next question is about out-of-town invites. Dear Lizzie and Dan, we appreciate your podcast and the encouragement to handle situations with consideration, respect, and honesty. My husband and I have a sensitive situation and would appreciate your guidance. My husband has a big birthday coming up, and our plan was to host a party at our home for local friends, work colleagues, and neighbors. Knowing that this will be a large endeavor, requiring lots of energy, the only out-of-town guests we are inviting are our kids and closest friends, who will stay with us and assist with party preparations. My husband's many siblings all live out of town, though we recently gathered. At that gathering, my husband was asked about his plans for his celebration this year, and he acknowledged we were planning a party. He did not share that they were not on the guest list, however our reason for not inviting out-of-towners is that we don't have the ability to host for overnights or at other points during this birthday weekend. Is it rude to not invite his large group of -of out-of-town family? Or do we offer the invitation with the disclaimer that we will be likely unable to see them at other points during the weekend? We value any thoughts you have. Sincerely, Party Planners.
1: Party planners—it's so fun planning a big birthday party.
0: <laughs> These are um, the best kind of problems.
1: They re- no, they really are. They really, really are. Dan, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that it is perfectly fine for you to throw this party with just the local guests and and the the uh, friend that you des- the friends that you described. I think that having talked about the party at. Another family gathering with your relatives who asked you, not you just like, say, telling people about the party, I think doesn't mean you automatically have to invite these folks um, or the ones that you spoke with, these siblings. I do think that you will have to decide whether or not. You want to do that invitation where you you let the out-of-towners know that you really won't be able to to have them stay with you or to do much throughout the rest of the weekend because of the planning. For me, I would go a different route. I would do the party for the local folks, and then I would just – Running with the fact that everybody's used to Zoom now, I would offer a Zoom invitation to the out-of-town siblings, and it's funny, the Zoom invites I feel like sometimes come with this kind of disclaimer that you're talking about almost, like, we really wish we could have invited everybody, but... You know, we this this wasn't the time to do it. However, we did really think that a Zoom call, if anyone wanted to join in and sing happy birthday with us all, would be lovely. If you want to join, we wanted to make that available to folks. There's part of me that really likes the idea of doing that and thinks it solves a lot of problems. Um And the other part of me is also like, I wonder if eventually we're going to start getting sick of the idea of like, I couldn't totally invite everybody. So here's the Zoom link. You know, like, I don't know, Dan, mm-hmm. do you think we're like, like we're starting to tire? Like, it's okay. Just only invite the people you need, slash, want, slash, can invite. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we'll get used to not being invited to every party again, maybe? No, I think you're spot on. I think <laughs> I it, know I gave it's... a lot in it. I'm sorry. I kind of like went and then asked you to judge like five different things. <laughs> no, but I, I,
0: I think the basics are there that you, it's okay to have the party the way that you are planning to have the party or would like to have the party. And just the fact that you've acknowledged the party is happening doesn't mean that you have to invite other people. It, it is, I think, wise to keep in mind how you talk about a party that other people aren't invited to.
1: Yes, there indeed. There <laughs> might
0: be scenarios where you feel like you pushed that a little far and maybe owe someone an invite. Mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily think that's what's going on here, but – It can be one of those things that factors into your thinking about something like this. I also think that the question of a Zoom invite falls into that category as well. If it's an idea that appeals to you, if you think that the other people would appreciate it, then it might be a really nice thing to do. If those thoughts aren't coming immediately to your mind, I agree, Lizzie. I think some people are starting to experience Zoom fatigue. Yeah. And they'd rather not be included in that way or um, invited in that way.
1: Or they just they aren't worried about missing out, client, you know, <laughs> or
0: they just aren't worried about missing out to begin with. Yeah. But it's it's a it's a possibility. It's an option. And I think depending on how the host is feeling, if you wanted to go even further, I was thinking about the nature of that conditional invite, <laughs> the invite that says we'd love it if you came. But don't expect this. This is all we can do for you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It really depends on the nature of your relationship with those people, how much you think they would really want to be there, how offended you think they would be that you weren't playing the usual role of host that you play. And those are really personal decisions where I don't think there's a firm etiquette rule that says you should do it this way or that way. But I think etiquette does say very clearly that as the host, you get to define the party. You're the ones throwing it, and you know what's really possible. So you get to make those choices.
1: Absolutely. So I'm curious, because what what would you do if this was your setup, if this was you asking the question?
0: I would think about how many people fall into the category of, I really think they would appreciate the conditional invite. And I would do some sort of personal call where I would check in with them. Oh, we usually do this. And I know it's the kind of thing you might like to do because of the way it's happening, we aren't able to do our usual hosting, but I wanted to be sure you knew you were invited if you wanted to come totally and make it really easy for them to say no, if they don't mm-hmm. want to, if that doesn't sound like an appealing invitation to them, yeah. let them know that you understand that it's not the usual. And then it's up to them to decide whether they want to participate in that way. And it doesn't add any extra burden to you, but it gives them the choice. Yeah. If there aren't people that clearly fall into that category, I, I'm going to proceed as you suggested with the best possible party I can for the people that are going to be there.
1: Yeah. For me, if, and again, if it would depend on knowing my family, but if it, if it were my siblings, I I know or close cousins, I know they're not, they're not hugely expecting invitations to these types of parties. So for me, I do the invite the locals, but then I'd have in my back pocket, a really good and and this is kind of something that you have in your back pocket for any party that you throw where someone maybe chooses to breach that etiquette line and pipe up and say they were really disappointed or they had thought they were invited maybe based on a conversation love to or be something there if it's possible. Yeah. And that's where I I hear my mother's voice coming out with sample script saying something like, "Oh, I know. I wish we could have, but we just didn't have the space to accommodate out-of-town guests, so we kept it local." <laughs> And just having in your back pocket that easy but explanatory line that can let someone know this this wasn't personal and we did consider it, but here's where we landed. You know, I feel like it's okay for hosts to have that line ready to go if they need to pull it out. But I also like you because depending on the folks, depending on the ease, depending on how well I know whether they like zoom stuff or whether it really means something for them to be at parties like this you know i might play it differently but but i like having that that one liner in the in the back pocket just in case you need to pull it out for someone who does talk about being disappointed or something it's a good reminder
0: i know we've covered a lot of different options in this answer and i hope that our party planners find it useful
1: and happy birthday
0: happy birthday (laughs) As you think of Betty and Bob and their problems, compare your own manners. Don't forget that it is by their manners that polite people the world around show their consideration for one another. A dinner party is just one way of enjoying company of your friends. Our next question is about a problem at the picnic. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I absolutely love your podcast. Never imagined I'd be writing in, but here I am. I'd really appreciate your advice. I've been friends with Sarah, a neighbor in my apartment complex, for about three years. Our partners know each other as neighbors, but we've never socialized as a group. We would all probably be labeled educated professionals. During the pandemic, Sarah mentioned that she and her partner Josh ordered takeout from various restaurants in the neighborhood, and I had recently asked her for her favorite place. Josh was kind enough to create a list, not only of the restaurants, but also some of their favorite menu choices for her to give me. I let them know this was much appreciated. Last night, I decided to order from our Chinese place on the list and invited them to meet me and my partner for an outdoor dinner in our courtyard where there are picnic tables. We brought wine, glasses, and cloth napkins, and they brought plates and flatware. The food delivery went smoothly, and the various dishes were spread out in front of us with serving spoons that Sarah had brought. We enjoyed being outdoors and socializing after being cooped up for so long, and as a foursome, it was going well. As dinner was winding down, I noticed Josh begin to use his own fork to grab food from a serving dish and put it straight into his mouth. He did it three or four times from the various serving dishes. I was really shocked, but didn't say anything. To make it all worse, he later used his, my, cloth napkin to wipe the sweat from his face and blow his nose. I'm seriously thinking he was busy talking and forgot he wasn't alone with Sarid in COVID hibernation, where maybe some of these behaviors might be more acceptable. And forgot I would be collecting those cloth napkins. They are nice people. What if we were to get together and this happens again? Is there anything one can say or do in this situation? Thank you, Anonymous.
1: Oh, anonymous people again, right, Dan? It's like, <laughs> it's yay, people interacting with people again. Oh man, there are so many things that can go wrong or that we can forget. This is a tough one because there isn't a whole lot you can do other than some slight redirection. I'm thinking that like, and, and the redirection can be done better if you're the host in this particular situation. It it seems like each party was bringing something to the table here, you know? And so it's a little bit different. But Dan, I'm picturing that when Josh starts going with his own fork, whether because he doesn't realize that that's probably not a good idea, or whether he's just forgotten that this is kind of more a manner when dining with people who you don't you know, live with, that he's forgotten that you don't typically use your own utensil to pick out of the main serving dish. I could easily see something where you kind of either offer to make a small scoop because – and I say small scoop because – Often when people do that last pick, it's let me get just like one more bite from these things. It's not like they're looking for seconds, which I feel like sometimes if you offer someone, oh, would you like seconds of that? The answer is, oh, no, 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 thanks. But then they still want to pick out of it. Mm -hmm. So I think offer a small like it might even be something you do without really saying much. But you might like uh, just scoop one or two of those little pieces of chicken or something like that up. And, and pop offer to pop them onto the person's plate or you might hold out the – and this one might be a little bit more like brushing up the edge of actually saying something. You might offer the serving utensil instead if it wasn't easily accessible to the person, like if its its handle was resting facing the other direction or something or would have created a reach. Lizzie Post, you are so
0: clever and so brave. I can't I believe know. how many I'd... ways you've thought of to actually address the situation <laughs> as it's happening.
1: I, I'm so leery who's of correcting
0: someone's table I, well, manners. G- that- well,
1: that's the thing is is you would have to do this very graciously and delicately for it to not come across as rude. And that's going to be in each individual, whether or not that's something they feel confident in doing or not you know like
0: with a smile (laughs) on your face but not a saccharine sweet patronizing (laughs) smile but a genuine can i hand you you a serving spoon smile
1: yeah yeah i watch my mother when she throws dinner parties like especially ones where we we often at my mom's house do buffet and so you would have to get up to go get something but when there are times where the food is actually out on the table that that like turning of a serving spoon and lifting a dish towards someone a little bit. Like I've seen other guests do that for each other. Like, uh, like someone's done it for me where they're like, Hey, do you want any, a little extra of that? Like even after kind of people have really slowed down and finished eating, I feel like it's something you can pull off doing for each other. And you know, I don't know, but it's, it's gotta be gentle. It's gotta be helpful and gracious as opposed to instructional or, um, covering up your you know, own own hang-ups on seeing the, these mistakes done. Dan, can you go over with us a little bit what like napkin etiquette is and isn't? Because like, there was part of me that like totally understands wanting to use a napkin for you know mopping a, a brow or 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 if you don't have any Kleenex running inside means like two doors with like codes on them and four flights of stairs like yeah. what you know what do you think about the napkin situation here cloth napkins let's remember these are like decently nice cloth napkins so i've got
0: two thoughts that are running counter about the napkin and okay. one is that the the napkin is there for you precisely to help you if you need to clean up or avoid a mess or you've made a mess and you need to clean it up quickly totally so in some ways i want a guest to feel free to use a napkin and there's an old entertaining concept that says don't put out anything that you would um, not be willing to have a guest break or if you're talking about linens use or stain yeah um so I'm, i'm 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 not hypercritical in my mind about that, about someone using a napkin. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there's another piece of etiquette advice that says you don't do a lot of grooming at the table. You don't do a lot mm-hmm. of personal hygiene. So there's definitely a line that gets crossed at some point where it goes from, oh, I'm just trying to prevent myself from sneezing over every all over everybody. And maybe I grab a napkin instead of into my elbow the way we're being taught now. Mm-hmm. But when it gets to the point of, okay, now I'm I'm sort of washing up after dinner, yes, the expectation is you would excuse yourself from the table and use a sink and a, a towel there to wash up afterwards. So, you know, maybe uh, keeping sweat that's appearing on your face from dripping into your food is sort of a quick recovery, yes. Yeah. Making a production out of cleaning up with a napkin at the end of the meal, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, like the the dabs to make sure there's nothing on your chin. I I like your idea of like the dab to make sure you're not sweating into your food. But your your upper
0: lip starts to perspire. Yeah,
1: yeah. But if you're sort of like post meal, not not eating anymore. Although we've got Josh picking at the different dishes. <laughs> um, but but post meal, I would definitely if if that's when the sneeze and the the blotting was happening, I would suggest that's a time to definitely excuse yourself and go take care of that. Yeah.
0: So that's the comment on the behavior, but how you deal with it, my advice is all really practical. I'm thinking things like um, thinking about the next time and steps that you could take because I I don't want to cut off everybody who has bad table manners. I don't want to say I'm just not going to eat with that person anymore. (laughs) Um, I like the latitude, the thinking that maybe this is a pandemic reentry. I think that's a really generous thought and I would run with that kind of generous thinking. Mm -hmm. Thinking about next time, I'm thinking about paper napkins. Maybe. So there's plenty. There's a nice little extra <laughs> stack of them. Yep. I'm thinking about offering to serve people's plates, so that maybe you create more of that buffet where the shared dishes aren't on the table where people that's can a grab good them. One too. You set them up as a little station, and mm-hmm. um, like you say, start to build a little production around getting food onto your plate, so that that's a thing you go do. So all of my solutions were those kinds of setup things.
1: I like both of those things. I, I especially like the idea of moving your buffet from being at the table family style to like a buffet, even if you chose not to like serve like plated meals, just because usually someone's going to get up, go to that buffet and use the serving utensils, not their own fork. It's the having them at the table that makes that fork an easy. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to touch anyone else's food. I can grab that little little nugget of beef right there. You know what I mean or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And and it won't my fork isn't touching anybody else. Like I could I I'm I'm good. I'm good. We're
0: all friends here.
1: Yeah, right? Uh but I also or we're vaccinated now. Um it's like those aren't the only germs that get shared. Um but I do think that it's good tactics to be thinking about how you can prepare for the next time and even if you did either paper or Cloth napkins. I could also see you remembering things like if we're going to do a picnic, bring uh, maybe tissues down with you or like bring something to help with the idea that you aren't conveniently right next to a restroom for someone to excuse themselves to. So maybe it's moist towelettes, maybe it's tissues along with whatever your napkin situation is going to be for the evening. But those were some of the things I was thinking. I was also thinking of anytime you do see someone sneeze into or on something that you then are going to have to pick up and touch that you can, you know, I would often, especially as a as a bus boy or bus girl or bus whatever I am, I would use my own rag or my own napkin to pick up other people's stuff. So I'm not directly touching whatever was on that. And that's not a bad suggestion anyway, when it comes to clearing napkins, because people are using them to clean up their mouths during a meal. So even if you weren't sweating on it or sneezing on it, it's probably still good to consider it something that's a touching item. (laughs) (laughs) My language is is leaving me as we get further down this podcast today.
0: (laughs) Anonymous, it sounds like a really nice picnic. And I'm sorry that you encountered an etiquette snafu grossness, in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> we hope that our advice helps avoid similar situations in the future and that the picnics are able to continue a communicable disease is one which can be caught from someone else this means that the germs have to leave the body of a sick person and enter the body of one who is well the usual gateway by which they enter is through the mouth or nose Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802 858 Kind. That's 802 858 5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show.
1: If you're enjoying Awesome Etiquette, please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at Patreon.com slash Awesome Etiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing you help keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support.
0: It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we have a voicemail from Rick about buttering corn on the cob in Texas.
1: Hello, Lizzie and Dan. My name is Rick from West Virginia. I'm calling to leave feedback about how you butter your corn. I grew up and still to this day used a piece of buttered bread to butter my corn. I put the butter on the corn and just roll it and easily butter
0: the corn without contaminating or defacing our stick of butter on the table. Thanks.
1: I love hearing (laughs) new ideas. I feel like I've actually heard this, but I I like this description of it and that it's like that it's a thing, (laughs) like that this is something that we really do. It would help you to not have everyone rolling in the same corn although you don't actually touch like you don't re-roll your corn in the butter after you've nibbled it off the cob i will say that (laughs) i'm not sure if we covered that in in last week's postscript
0: (laughs) put me on board with any plan that involves getting more butter on anything
1: (laughs) rick thank you so much for sharing your feedback
0: And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463.
1: It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're talking about mask mandates lifting because we're like finally talking about this. It's really happening.
0: It certainly is. And it's not just like, oh, it's coming. We're in the middle of a of a very different environment than we were a month or two ago.
1: We are. And even our state, which has been pretty conservative on the range of how long to be wearing masks for and such, we've really kept our mandates in place for quite a while. Things are even starting to, to change and lift. Both of us within the past two weeks have had experiences that were simply different from the past 15, 16 months of life. And it's it's been refreshing and interesting, but not without a little bit of etiquette. Do you want to share your cab experience that you had? And then I'll talk about the grocery store. <laughs> sure.
0: And the cab experience that Lizzie's talking about was the cab that came to pick up me and Pooja and the girls from the house in Martha's Vineyard. And when I came outside to meet the cab, I had to load car seats and stuff before the family came out. And the first thing that happened was a little interaction where I sort of held up my mask and said, Oh, are we doing mass in the cab? I've got to set up these car seats. And she says, Oh, I think I even acknowledged I was vaccinated. And she said, Oh, don't mm-hmm. worry about it. Go for it. I'll probably be wearing mine when the ride starts because that's what we do. Then I replied, well, I really appreciate that. My girls are vaccinated, aren't vaccinated yet. You'll probably see me and my wife wearing masks just because we do when we're around them. So there was this Mm -hmm. whole exchange that was the part of our introduction to each other and the time that we would spend together where we had to work it out. And I think that was the – what I noticed the most. No matter where I was, there was oftentimes a first check-in that was usually done with sort of a pretty good open spirit – um,, mm-hmm. is this a store where we do masks? Are you vaccinated? Am I vaccinated? But just like a really quick check in where you're checking and assessing each other's comfort levels and expectations.
1: It makes total sense to me, especially as, as things are sort of varied in this uh, unmasking or the mask mandates, you know, it makes a lot of sense to be using a lot of communication right now. I was so impressed with my local Hannaford grocery store for the signage that they created when we needed to start wearing masks. It was really clear. They would do very clear, like, you know, entrance, exit, walk this way down this aisle. Like they they did a good job putting out a lot of signage to help us social distance properly within that store. And I walked into the grocery store yesterday because and the first person coming out was unmasked. And I, I was like, I, that was the first time I'd really seen that. And I was like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, well, he was right near the restrooms. Maybe he was just like sneaking in to use a restroom and running right out. And then, as I rounded the produce section, I came across a, a senior woman who didn't have a mask on, and I was a little surprised and then I saw a third and i but when I was looking around, there were more people wearing masks than not wearing masks. so I was like going, "What is going on here did they did I miss a man- like did I miss the lifting of a mandate in today's like news announcement or something like that?" And when I saw my fifth person and not not all seniors without a mask on, that was when I felt confident kind of like leaning in and saying to to someone who I'd had a a slight excuse me exchange with around the yogurt counter was like, "Um, I I have to just ask, was there a, a, a mandate lifting that I missed or something? Can we go maskless in stores? And she said, there's a teeny sign. It's very small on the front of the store that says, if you're fully vaccinated beyond your two weeks, you can go without a mask in the store. And I just looked at her and I said, really? And then this other woman without a mask came on and said, no, really. And she said, it seems like places are doing it store by store, but there is that sign. It's not very big, but it lets you know if you're vaccinated, it's okay to go maskless inside. And I just immediately... Took my mask like slowly down from my my face and, and I said, I'm fully vaccinated. This is amazing. And it was just this moment between the three of us where like good news was spreading among a community and people were happy to share it. And it was like a it was it was a the unmasking in the grocery store was really a moment for me. But I really was very nervous to approach someone and ask them. If I had missed a mandate or something because I didn't want them to think that was my way of like judging them for not wearing a mask. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like like almost like a, a backwards way of asking why are you not wearing a mask? You know what I mean? Um, so it, it, it did need like a really friendly ask and a, and a a very, I I wasn't trying to make a comment on your position. I want to be in it if I can, you know,
0: I think that friendliness and the good spirit behind it is where I find my second etiquette thought around this topic. The first being Mm -hmm. that communication is so important that even though this is information that by traditional etiquette standards is often considered very private, even though it's a discussion about something that might have something that relates it to someone's political views or thinking or something revealing Mm -hmm. about political views and thinking in the discussion Mm -hmm. that also makes it sort of a more traditionally fraught topic. And Mm -hmm. because this is the moment that we're living in where it's, it's so important and so necessary and frankly, so natural I'm actually finding those conversations much easier to navigate than I maybe would have imagined.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah.
0: And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind, that that the heart of etiquette is practical. And in some ways, it's okay to talk about these things right now. And a big part of that— We're all
1: experiencing them. —is because yeah.
0: we're all doing it together. And it's particularly okay if you can bring that good spirit to it. Yeah. If you're not judging other people for the choices they make either way— if you're accepting that each of us are having to make a lot of choices on the fly, and that requires a little bit of flexibility and figuring things out on the go, I think it goes a long way towards making those those important and necessary quick conversations that much easier to have. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And I also, like you mentioned, you and Pooja are are fully vaccinated, but your kids aren't. I wouldn't judge anybody who, once these mandates lift, are choosing to still wear masks in public spaces, whether that's to represent a a unity with your family and your children who still need the masks on, or whether that's because of your comfort level and, and being there yet. I was on an outdoor walk earlier in the pandemic, even though I was fully vaccinated at that point, so earlier a couple months ago, and I was on an outdoor walk with a friend, and and we had both decided that it was still early enough in the vaccination process for most people that we felt more comfortable wearing our masks, and we did have someone judge us for that, and it 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 felt bad. It didn't feel good. It 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 felt like a a, a stranger telling me advice I really didn't need to hear. And uh, so I, I would, as much as we want to in- encourage people to trust that vaccination and to trust the mandates lifting and to trust the, the CDC, if your personal comfort level hasn't hit that yet, we really don't want to judge others for that. And, and we really do want to support people wherever they're at with protecting themselves and feeling safe as opposed to just being safe, you know?
0: I really do. And you're talking to someone who's really interested about the role that something like a mask will play a year from now. And we've talked on this show, I'm someone who's speculated that I might be a mask wearer moving through major airports during flu season at some point in the future. Mandates, no mandates, everybody doing it, everybody not doing it, but just knowing that I have brought flus home from business travel before that mm-hmm. there are some things out there that might protect me that are options now that I wasn't even aware of a year ago or didn't think of as options that made sense socially or practically. I'll be curious how other people feel about those things and make those choices moving forward.
1: Dan, thank you for for giving me a moment to explore the etiquette of what for me was a very, very celebratory milestone marking moment for this this whole pandemic. I can't tell you how good it felt to to feel confident being maskless in a store and know that I was safe and that I was I wouldn't be harming others either. Um, it was it was a, a really big moment in this experience we've all had. And I I really. Oh, darn it. I thought I could get through this. I really hope that you you all are experiencing it, too, or getting too soon
0: well the thing that i found just delightful hearing about it is that you got to do it with a couple strangers to share something (laughs) so sort of personal and revealing um with people in your community i'm going to call them strangers but maybe people that you didn't know so well before that moment thank you for sharing it with us
1: this is the safest way to regain your health and to return as quickly as possible to work to fun and to play
0: we like to end our show on a high note so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing and that can come in so many forms today we have a salute for a boss who came to the rescue hi lizzie and dan i have a salute for my boss i'm relatively new to town and have not established a lot of friendships yet This weekend, I threw my neck out at the gym and was unable to move it and in a lot of pain. After I posted online asking for anyone's suggested remedies, my boss came over with a heating pad and some food. She even suggested some stretches as her brother is a physical therapist. I really appreciated her kindness, especially because I'm a bit alone at the moment. Thanks anonymous
1: anonymous this is it's such a great salute and it's also i'm really glad that we have it only to add on and make the point that there are some business boss employee relationships where it's it just is okay by all parties to be connected online and i don't know if your online post was specifically in social media but your boss saw that and then changed into caretaker mode in a really friendly and supportive way and To me, that's just such like a a case for if you can and it's not awkward and you're willing being connected in more ways than just that single email or that single extension at your desk phone.
0: There is certainly a lesson about the rewards to be reaped from sharing and connecting with people in all kinds of different ways.
1: Anonymous, thank you so much for this salute.
0: And thank you for listening.
1: Thank you to everyone who sent us something and who supports us on Patreon.
0: Please do connect with us and share this show with friends, family, and coworkers. However you like to share podcasts,
1: you can send us questions, feedback, and salutes by email to awesome at emilypost.com. by phone. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at Emily post Inst. on Instagram. We are at Emily post Institute and on Facebook. We're awesome etiquette. And, the emily post institute
0: please consider becoming a sustaining member you can find out more about this by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette you can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on spotify or your favorite podcast app and please consider leaving us a review That helps our show ranking which helps more people find awesome etiquette
1: our show is edited by chris albertine and assistant produced by bridget dowd in alaska thanks so much thanks, chris, chris and, and bridget, bridget.